the things we do for your entertainment, okay? For your entertainment. Hey guys, uh, we're so glad that you're here today um, on this wonderful Easter day. And uh, how many are cold? Raise your hand. How many are hot? Raise your hand. Okay, so we have more cold than hot, I guess. So uh, we'll try to adjust the temperature exactly, probably not the way that you want it, but uh, we'll do our best anyways. Hey, today the, we are talking about walls, and I want to begin this morning by asking you a question, and I'd like you to answer it by just giving your answer to the person beside you. And this is the question. What is the world's most famous wall that has ever been on planet Earth? Okay? What is the world's most famous wall ever on Earth? Uh, just turn to the person beside you. Okay. I'm sure some of you probably said uh, this wall, the Great Wall of China. How many said that? Okay, a lot. Well, um, I think that this probably is um, one of the greatest walls. Um, it is 4,000 miles long, and it took a thousand years to actually build it. I mean, this is a, a gigantic honking kind of wall. It's big. Now, I'd like you to look to the person beside you, and I want you to see if you can let them know what country the Great Wall of China came from, okay? <laughs> Some of you are like, is that a blonde joke or something, you know? I have one. The other day, I was uh, at the grocery store, and I walked by this light-haired woman, and she was staring at this orange carton. And I was like, you know, whatever. And so I walked by, got all my groceries, came back by, and she's still just like staring right at this orange cart. And so I went up to her and I said, um, you okay? And she goes, shh, the carton says concentrate. <laughs> Some of you who are blonde at Easter dinner, they'll uh, explain that one to you, okay? Like half the people are just going to leave, I know. So. The next uh, wall I want us to look at, I want to see if you can guess what it is. Anybody guess what wall used to look like that? This was the Berlin Wall. Okay? And if you were in my generation, the 1980s, uh, beyond saying things like, gag me or gnarly, or if you wore a lot of neon, or you had big poofy hair, um, the 1980s, you remember, was the tearing down of the Berlin Wall. Now this wall was uh, 10 uh, to 12 feet high, and the reason why they didn't have to build it very high is because you could see um, all of the different soldiers on both sides of it. And when, any, when someone from the east side would try to get over on the west side, what you would find is uh, the only reason they built it that high was so that they could shoot and kill the person 
um, as quickly as possible. And there were literally thousands of people that died trying to cross the Berlin Wall. Well, those are two walls that we've experienced uh, in our culture. But there are other walls. In fact, one of the phrases that people use all the time is, I just feel like I hit a wall. That we hit a wall. It's something that gets you frustrated. It's a kind of obstacle that's in your path. And over the past few months, I think the one thing that I've heard from more people than anything else is that they've talked about some of the walls that they've run up against. And one of those walls is a a vocational wall. A vocational wall. It's our work wall, and you can write that down if you'd like. I have people all the time who come to this wall and they feel like their job is a dead-end job. They dread going to work every single day. They have no passion whatsoever uh, with what they do. And they hit this wall and uh, they're just like, you know, I just dread getting up in the morning because I don't like my job. And there are other people who uh, feel like they hit a wall because even though they don't mind their job so much, they just don't see a lot of change. They don't see people uh, changing very much uh, because of what they do. They're not a world changer. They're just kind of a bean counter. And they just feel like, you know what, there's nothing that's kind of changing at my work wall. And then there are other people who they wish they had a wall at work, but their job has gone away. They've lost their job. They're unemployed. They're wondering if they'll ever get through this work wall. They send out resumes all the time, but there is no one that offers them a position. They get up in the morning, and they think that the sun will come up, but it really doesn't, and then they go to bed at night, and they don't have much joy. I pray with these people. There have been dozens and dozens of people over the past couple of years that we prayed for that they'd find a job because they lost their job and they're totally out. And maybe you're at this wall today. Some of you are just so frustrated when it comes to your work wall. There's a guy in our church by the name of Brent who had worked for a company for 10 years. He'd given his entire heart and soul for this company. And at the end of 10 years, they sold the company out. And when he went into the office, they said, we're going to let you go because of this. And this is what they said. We have no place for you. We have no place for you. And Brent was telling me that as he left that day and he was driving home, he started wondering, how am I going to tell my wife this? How am I going to tell my kids? What are they going to think of me? Well, he 
put his name out there and he found a job, but then he lost that job as well. And then he was unemployed for five months and their family savings just kept going down and down and down and down. He sent out 300 resumes and still not a single job. I took him to lunch during a, a few times during this season. And when I would go out to lunch with him, the one phrase that I would hear from him over and over again was this. I just didn't think it would happen to me, Chris. I just didn't think it would happen to me. And over the past few months, over the past couple of years, the one thing that I've heard from so many people is I just didn't think it would happen to me. And I think that if you're at this wall today, that if you're at this wall, that the risen Christ wants to meet you today and He wants to help you. He wants to give you some hope before the end of our celebration today. Well, some of you, you're not at a work wall. Uh, You enjoy your job. Things are going well. Uh, You have a job. You are compassionate towards people who don't. But that's not your wall. But for some of you, uh, your wall goes to our next one. And our next wall is our relational wall or our family wall. Now, at this relational wall, I think we find more pain than any other wall. Because it's in our families that we find so much pain uh, that we cause to each other and pain that happens Uh, to us. Now, sometimes even people uh, who aren't married or they don't have a family but they're just single, even they sometimes really hit this wall because they want to get married or they want a relationship or they want the idea of having family at some time. I know of a young woman who for the past 10 years has been looking for Mr. Wright. And so she uh, went ahead and went about trying to get dates with different guys, and she tried to do it on her own, and, you know, just a bunch of losers, you know. I mean, just didn't work out very much. And so she decided that she'd go ahead and uh, try an inter- the Internet dating, and so she uh, got onto eHarmony. And she got all these hits and everything, And she was feeling much better. But then she read a statistic one time that one-third of all of the men on eHarmony are married. It's a statistical fact. One-third of them are married. And then she started getting more discouraged because when she went on the site and then she went on a date, she soon learned that the other two-thirds either lied about their height, their weight, or their financial income. And she's like, I'm just so frustrated. And I remember talking to her, because I have such a gift of mercy in my life. And I said, you think you have it bad. You should see some of the married people that come into my office with marriage problems. 
Some of them want to take their spouse and put them on eBay to auction them off, you know? Now, we laugh about that a little bit, but I'll, let me be serious here just for a second. It's this, that if you're in a marriage right now, and some of you are, and you're going through some pain in your marriage, you know exactly what this wall feels like. You know exactly what this feels like. You walk down an aisle one day, and a pastor married you and your spouse until death do us part. But however long you've been married, now you're at this wall and you just feel like this is awful. This is just horrible. And you know the pain of what it looks like to hit the family wall. Maybe yours isn't marriage, but maybe it's a parent-child relationship. You have a relationship with your child and it just seems like the the more you try to get connected, the further you get apart and the child doesn't understand the parent, the parent doesn't understand the child and there just becomes this greater gulf and distance between you and your mom and dad or you and your son and your daughter. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when I share those things. And then there are some families who are here this morning and they're young families And they've wanted to have a family, but it's been a real struggle for them. Kerwin and uh, Cheryl are two friends of mine, um, both raised in godly homes, great people. Uh, He was an engineer, she was a nurse, um, high, successful, just just awesome people. And uh, they got married and were all excited about that. And they loved their time together, and then they decided to start a family. And they didn't have any trouble at all. They got pregnant uh, real quickly, and uh, things were were just going uh, amazingly well in her pregnancy. Um, They got the ultrasound, and they could tell that they were going to have a little girl, so they were real excited about that. And uh, they named her Christian before she was ever born. And... uh, Everything went extremely well, and the delivery uh, date came, and things were going well, and then they delivered the baby, and they don't know why, but the baby was stillborn, and it was dead. And I remember that day, because the floor that they were on, everybody was leaving, filled with joy. Because they had their baby. And Kerwin and Cheryl were taking pictures of their baby, who they then had a funeral for a couple days later. And I remember that over the next couple months, they would just, I'd say, how you're doing? They'd just be like, you know, God really let us down. God let us down. You know, whether it's your marriage or your relationship with your kid, sometimes you hit a family wall, a relational wall, and you just feel like God has let me down. Some of you, you're at this relational wall today. Whether it's your marriage 
whether it's your child, but you're at this wall. And I really think that if you'll just open your mind and heart, that the risen Christ, by the end of our time together today, that he will help you and he'll give you hope. Well, some people, they haven't dealt with uh, a work vocational issue. Some people, uh, they go through life and they don't have a relational family wall, but they head to our next wall. And our next wall is a calamity wall. It's a, a loss kind of wall. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. You don't plan it. It's that 2 a.m. phone call that you get in the morning. Maybe some of you have had that. and You pick it up and you're like, no way. No way. It's a routine doctor's appointment that you go to. And the doctor says, hey, we need to run some tests. And they run these tests. And then they come back into the doctor's office and they say, hey, you need to sit down. We, we've really got to talk about something. And all of a sudden, your whole world is changed for the rest of your life. There's a woman in our church named Pam. And uh, Pam had been married over 25 years. Great marriage. Uh, enjoyed uh, so much uh, her relationship with her husband. Had four boys, and all four of them were young men and uh, very successful in what they did. And things were going really, really well. And then when her son Matthew got into his late teenage years, early 20s, he became addicted to heroin. He just started with some drugs, but then he finally got addicted. And they got him into some rehab, and things were going real well. And uh, he seemed like he would, he would do well. But then he'd relapse again. Any of you who've gone through that, then he'd relapse again. And then he'd do well again. And it was just like this vicious cycle going over and over and over again. And then one Saturday morning, Pam got a phone call from the sheriff that said, hey, we found your son and we took him to the hospital. And we don't think he's going to make it. And when they got to the hospital, he had OD'd on heroin. And five days later, he was dead. You see, folks, some of you know what it's like to hit this wall. You know what it's like to hit laws. You know what even stinks for Pam even more so? Is that a month ago she lost her mother. So in a 13-month period, she lost her son, and then she lost her mother. And all of Pam and her family are experiencing this wall like you wouldn't believe. Some of you know what that's like. You've experienced a loss sometime between now and last Easter. And some of you are like, man, we're going to celebrate Easter for the first time without this certain person. And you know that pain. You know that hurt. You know that loss. And you're wondering to yourself, is life ever going to get back on track? Are things ever going to get any better? Some of you right now are battling depression 
And you feel a loss because you can't feel connected. You feel like this thing has just railroaded you. And you wonder, how am I going to get through this? Will I ever have joy again? And again, I would say that if you're at this wall, if you'll just open up your heart, if you'll open up your mind to the risen Christ, I really believe that he can come right now in this day on Easter and give you some help and some hope. Well, some people go through their entire life. They never have a a work wall. Work goes well, finances, no problem. They go through the family situation, good marriage, kids are going well. They go through this kind of loss. You know, no one really, they don't get the 2 a.m. phone calls. But there's one wall, folks, that every single person here is going to hit. In fact, there's no one on planet Earth that will not hit this wall. I mean, it is the ultimate wall, the wall of walls, and it is the mortality wall. And when I talk to the guys who built this, because you know I can't build anything if you've ever been here before, they said, well, how big do you want it? And I said, I want it so big that when a person comes down here and they stand, They just realize there is absolutely no way they can get over the wall. I mean, the most successful person in the jar, the most high-achieving person in the jar, the person who thinks that they can do anything, that if they stood right here, when they looked up, they'd say, there is no way I can get up there by myself. I said, I want it that big. Because the reality is, you can't get over that wall on your own. I don't know if you heard this latest statistic or not, but uh, there's a statistic that's out there that says that the death rate is still hovering at 100%. (laughs) Just thought I'd let you know in case you were wondering. So what that means is, folks, is that all of us are going to hit that wall. My dad is uh, associate director at a funeral home. And basically what an associate director does is they're the flunky who's at the front of the funeral home who opens the door and says, come on in. And then they're the person who, uh, you know, the real funeral directors tell what to do. And my dad was telling me this story. He said one day that the funeral director went up to him and said, Uh, hey, John, I need some help at the showroom where the caskets are. I need you to help me clean some of them up, polish them up. So my dad's like, sure, no problem. He's over there. He's polishing uh, one of these caskets. And he has his back turned to the funeral director. And have you ever had that feeling where you're doing something and you don't see the person, but you can, like, feel their eyes staring at you? And all of a sudden he's doing this and he has this feeling that someone's staring at him and he looks around and the funeral director has this little smug smile like that. And it hit my dad in that moment. He's sizing me up. You know, 5'8", 210 pounds, 73. He may not make it too much longer. I think this casket would look pretty good. And so my dad, you know, is 
kind of quick-witted, and he turns and he goes, what are you looking at? And he said, well, John, I just thought maybe you'd like to try one of these. And my dad said, why don't you go first and I'll close the casket? That was it. The reality is, though, folks, all of us are going to hit that wall. The Bible, in fact, says this. It will come up on the side screen. It is appointed for men and women to die once. So any of you that uh, have ever thought, does the Bible, uh, are they, is it open to reincarnation? It's not. The Scripture says this. The Bible doesn't know anything about that. But it is appointed for men and women to die once, and after that comes judgment. There are two appointments, folks, that you are not going to miss. Your appointment with death. Every single person in this gym is going to hit that wall one day. All of us are. And on the day of judgment, you will stand before a holy God and you will give an account of your life. Now, some of you so far are kind of like, hey, I like the wall idea. That sounds cool. Good video. Why are you talking about death so much? Easter's supposed to be about the bunnies. Let the bunnies, let the bunnies. Why do we have bunnies and eggs? Do bunnies lay eggs? Have you ever thought about that before? They're a mammal. Bunnies don't lay eggs. You're all going to be out there going, and you're going to tell your kids, oh yeah, the bunny left. No, the bunny didn't leave that. I'm going to tell my five and a half year old and three and a half go, there is no... Easter egg bunny. No, I really won't. I love the Easter bunny. But this is the thing about Easter, folks. Easter has two things to it. Good Friday, the day that Jesus died upon a cross, and he died. And then Easter when he rose from the dead. And the reality is, folks, you can't get to Easter until you realize that he overcame the wall. You see, if you go to every religious leader's grave, what you'll find if you opened up the grave, you opened up the casket, there would be something there. But when you get to Jesus' tomb in Jerusalem, when you get there, guess what? There's nothing there. It's empty. He's the only person who is able to break through the wall of death. And somebody like that is somebody that I respect, someone that I want to get to know. I want to understand how I can follow him more. So for some of you today, don't freak out about that wall. Just get to know the only one who blew through it, who blew through that wall. He conquered the grave. He reigns today as Lord of all. And when we get to judgment day, he says, you know what? If you turn to me, I'll break open the wall. I'll be your defense attorney because I've already overcome the wall. Some of you know that I was raised as a PK. 
preacher's kid. And my sister and brother and I, we endured some painful Easter messages. I mean pain like you wouldn't believe. And when you're the preacher's kid, when it's all said and done, like if dad bombed and everyone's like, ugh, you got to go, happy Easter. We love the Easter bunny at our house, you know. And there were some messages that just were bad, you know, over that time. And now I've been a pastor for 19 years. And whatever you're experiencing right now, I guarantee it's not as painful as what my family endured, okay? But after all of these Easter messages, after doing them for 19 years myself, I think the Easter message can be kind of whittled down to one particular verse. You see it at NFL games all the time when uh, football starts. They'll have these big signs in the, in the end zone, and it'll say John 3.16. And I'd like us to just go ahead and uh, read this out loud together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, for most of my life, I knew this scripture, I'd memorized this scripture. And I believed it. I believed that God so loved the world. I believed that. I knew that God loved the world. I just didn't know if God loved Chris Bunch. And I knew about Good Friday. I knew that he died on a cross for the sins of the world. He gave his one and only son for the sins of the world. I just didn't know if he actually took on my pile of sin. I mean, I've messed up a lot in my life, especially in college. And I always thought that the relationship with God was about a relationship of trying to earn your way closer to him. So you would just do things to earn his love. You would do things to earn his forgiveness. I had to fly a little bit straighter. I had to work a little bit harder. I had to think of ways to please this God because that was the only way my pile of sin would be taken care of. And I put myself through so much anguish trying to earn my way up to his expectation. I kind of would ask myself, like, what's the quota? You know, how many good things do I have to do? How many things do I have to work at before I actually can receive his love and his forgiveness? What's the standard? And at age 26, I finally met the risen Christ, the one who came for me. Chris Bunch, to love me, to forgive me. I experienced grace for the first time. Some of you, I'm praying right now, that you'll experience grace today for the first time. Best definition of grace I have ever seen was by Philip Yancey. This is what he said. Let's read this out, to, uh, read it out loud together. There's nothing I can do to make God love me more And there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. That's what grace is. And at first you read that and you're like, you mean I can't do more? What if I just, no, 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 no. And you're like, well, 
I can't mess up so bad. No, 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 no. God is love. He loves all people. You're his creation. And he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And his love is not based upon my works. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says this, Not by my works of righteousness. In other words, not by getting my act all cleaned up. Not by earning this free gift. Not by that. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. You'd say his grace. He saved me. This verse helped me to understand exactly what it meant when Jesus died upon a cross. That he took on all of my sin and he placed all of it on his shoulders. And he said, I'll take it all. The past, the present, and the future. And this is the cool thing, folks. Guess what? That little transaction of him taking all of my sin and placing it all on his shoulders, it's a gift. It's a gift. You don't earn gifts. It's a gift. It's freely given to you. And some of you don't understand that this morning because you keep thinking that you've got to do something to earn his love, to earn his forgiveness, to earn a relationship with him. This week I was with a friend of mine. He's not a Christian, um, but I've known him for about the last three months. And he's actually going through a pretty painful divorce right now. And he has a couple of kids. And I've been trying to share with him this whole idea of grace, that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God just loves you. And he's like, I, I, I just don't get that. You know, he's, he's in business, and he's like, I, no, you've got to earn things. You've got to kind of work your way up the ladder. And so I was talking to him, and I know he had been going through this divorce, and he had told me that during the divorce proceedings, until the divorce was final, while they're going through all of this, he has to pay for the mortgage. Actually, he went like this. He goes, I have to pay for her mortgage. I didn't want the house anyway. I'm like, okay. And, um, and so I said, well, you know, you've got to pay for that. He's like, yeah, I'm not too happy about it. And I said, well, let's just imagine that you're six months behind in your mortgage. Because I'm not six months behind. I'm only two months behind. I was like, hey, you know, whatever. But uh, I said, let's just imagine you're six months behind and a generous person comes to your house one day and they knock on the door and they said, hey, I heard you're struggling you know, to kind of get your mortgage up to date and I just want to pay for the six months that were previous to that that you uh, owe on back mortgage. I've got this check. I'm ready to write it out. And they're like, oh, yeah, sure, that'd be great. And I said, well, this is what grace is. Grace is that same person stands in your living room, and after they write that check, then they say, what do you owe for the rest of your house? What do you need to pay off your entire house, scot-free, no uh, you know, strings attached, and you can have home ownership? It's your house. Tell me what that is. And they write that out. And then I turned to him and I said, 
I'm going to do that for you today. And his head fell into my oatmeal. Okay? Okay, those last two things are lies. Some of you were like, man, we're paying him too much, you know? No, but I, when I told him that, and I told him, and then they're going to pay off all of your house. He's like, I said, do you get it? He's like, oh, man, I get it now. It's like really free, really free. You see, folks, the reality is every single one of us have a moral mortgage, and we owe a debt for the things that we have done in our life. And what Jesus did was he took the pile of your sin and he erased it. He set you free. The promise of Easter is not only are you forgiven of all of your sin, though. The other promise is that when you hit that wall, he helps you bust through it. He says, if you turn to me in a relationship with me, we'll walk through this wall together. He says, you'll have the gift not only of forgiveness, but the gift of eternal life. Because just as Jesus rose from the dead, he tells us that one day we will too who follow him and have a relationship. Now let's get back to these walls here real quick. The reality is you still got the wall, right? Bunch just told you a whole bunch of cool things, good, but I still am at a work wall or a family wall or a loss wall. Well, let's just look at this first wall, for instance. Your vocational wall. The cool thing about Jesus is that he said, when you have a relationship with me, it's not just a relationship that you have to wait on until you get into heaven, but you actually can experience the kingdom of God here and now. That you can experience my love, my presence, my assurance right now. And so, if you're dealing with a vocational, a work wall today, you're out of a job, you can't find work, you're frustrated in the job that you're in right now, the great temptation for many of you is that when you hit that wall, is that what you really want to do is, sometimes what happens, psychologists call it catastrophizing it. In other words, you make it bigger than what it actually is. It's when you take a human problem and then you say, this thing is so massive, it's so overwhelming, we'll never get through this wall. And you put yourself in an anxious frenzy. How many of you have ever, don't raise your hand, how many of you have ever felt that before? I mean, every hand would go up. And your mind and heart begin to deteriorate and you blow this problem out of proportion. And then God comes to you through the risen Christ, Jesus himself, and he whispers and he's like, hey, let's just get some perspective. What you need is just a little bit of perspective. God says, you only have one eternal problem. That's your eternal problem and I already took care of it. I've already overcome that. I solved it on the cross. I rose three days later. You don't have an eternal problem. And he said, I promise that I'll be with you. See, this is the thing. Whatever your wall is, whatever your problem is that you're going through right now, it is temporary. And it has an expiration date. And some of you are like, I'd like to know when that is. But it's temporary. 
You have an expiration date. And God says, get some perspective. Uh, in college, I had, broke up with a girl, and it was a really painful kind of breakup. It was in 1992, and I can remember to this day leaving from her apartment and just crying and being upset and driving along. And in 1992, one of the famous songs, some of you will remember this, was by Boys to Men called End of the Road, okay? And these are some of the lyrics. Said we'd be forever. Said it'd never die. How could you love me and leave me and never say goodbye? Pain in my head. Oh, I'd rather be dead. Spinning around and around. And now we've come to the end of the road. And after that breakup, I remember that became like the theme song to my life. You know, now we've come to the end of the road. And I got like sloppy tears coming everywhere, you know, stuff coming out of my nose and mouth. And I just remember getting a whisper from God, Chris, get a grip. It was a bad breakup, but it's a worse song when you sing it. You are bad. If you sing that song one more time, the relationship with me, we're breaking it off. You know? But this is not the end of the road. That's not an eternal problem. You can deal with this. Get a little perspective, Chris. And you know what? I remember that whisper, and I remember like, yeah. Now let me say this, folks. I'm not minimizing the pain of anyone in this place. Because some of you are going through some painful walls today. It took all that you could do to get here today. And you're here, and one of these walls, you feel it. You feel it. But what I am saying is this, that whatever problem you're facing, whatever wall you are hitting today, God wants to meet you at that wall. And Jesus Christ says, every wall that you've gone through, even the ultimate wall, I can break through it. We can do this together. You just need some perspective to understand. And when you come to the wall... Jesus stands there and he's like, what do you need? What do you need to get through your wall? Just ask me. The disciples, Jesus' closest friends, they had a real hard time believing that he had the power to help them through their own problems. And one day he got so frustrated with them that they wouldn't believe that he said this. He said, ask, ask. Would you just please ask me for help? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. 
It's like Jesus is saying, what more can I prove to you? I went to the cross. I went to the cross and died and rose three days later so you don't have to face that wall. I forgave all of your sins. I took on all of your moral mortgage, your past, your present, your future. I'm taking you to heaven. I'm committed to you. All you've got to do is ask. Some of you today, you are plastered at a wall. I don't know which one it is, but you are plastered at it. And you've done all kinds of grieving and, um, you know, catastrophizing. But you've neglected the most important thing you can do. And the most important thing you can do is just ask Jesus to help you. Ask God to help you with your wall. God, I need a job. God, I need to reconcile with my daughter. God, I need your peace for the loss in my life. God, I don't really know you. I've never made a decision. I've never committed to Christ. I don't know about that wall. I need you to help me break through it. And all you have to do is ask. Jesus' last words while he was on planet Earth are just some amazing words to me. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. And Jesus said this. And remember. He said, never forget this. Always remember this. I am, what's the next two words? What is it? With you. Always. At every wall, at every loss, at every heartbreak. Even to the end of the age. He's like, I'm always there. Folks, I don't know what wall you're facing this morning, but God wants to meet you at your wall. God is saying, hey, we're in this thing together. We can get through this. Whatever it is, we can do it together. I'm there for you. And so many of you, the greatest advice that you could take is that you would get to know Jesus, the one who can help you with your wall. So this is how we're going to close today. When you walked in today, each one of you should have received a card that looked like this. I'd like you to pull it out. If you did not get one, just raise your hand real quick. Uh, some of our greeters will pass those out. Just raise them real quick and they'll get one to you. Um, yeah, just raise your hand, no problem. This will only take a minute and then we'll be done. But what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to put just your first name. We don't need your last name. God knows your last name. So we're not trying to get information. We're not trying to figure out anything. We just want your first name. And then what is the wall that you're standing at? And you need help. And Derek right now is going to go ahead and sing us through a song that will help us through whatever wall that is. I just want you to listen. But on the back, I just want you to put, like if it's a job, I need a job. I need to reconcile with my daughter. I need to have some help with a loss. Now this is the cool thing. We have 50 people here at the jar that have committed to pray 
for each prayer request for the next 30 days. So if you put this down, somebody will be praying for you for the next 30 days. All of April, somebody will be praying for you. And I just think that the power of prayer moves walls away. I got a friend of mine, Chuck Mock. He uh, often says that what happens is prayer moves God and God moves walls. I want you to hear this song. It's a song you know. You guys know this song. I bet this song, sometimes you've been at a wall before. And you heard this song and you're like, I can get through it. So just write down whatever your wall is. And then I'll close this in prayer. a while uh, faith takes action you've got to walk your faith out the Bible says uh, that you know we walk by faith not by sight and what I'm going to do is um, what I'd, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to say happy Easter and then you guys can say whatever you want back to me I guess but I think this might be the most important walk for some of you that you've ever made in your life. And if your wall is a work wall, I just invite you to come up and you just put your card right in there. Nothing weird's going to happen. No one's going to pull you aside and grab you and go, oh, let me get you to Jesus. You know? <laughs> but if you're like... You know, you, you're, you don't have a job. You've lost something. You, your job, you just despise. You want to have something different. If that's your wall, just go and place that in there. And for some of you, maybe it's your, it's your family. You know right now, you're sitting there and your marriage, it's tough. 
Or maybe you have a relationship with your kid that it's not that good. I'd invite you to just walk. Put it right there. For some of you, you know what losses. You've gone through some kind of loss. Some calamity has ripped your life. And you need God's peace. You just go and you place it there. And this last one, I'm going to be standing at that wall. And I don't know how more simply to put it than this on Easter. That if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're not sure that you would break through that wall, not because of yourself, but because of Christ, I can't think of a more important day than on Easter Sunday that you go and you make that right. And there'll be somebody there, they'll give you a Bible, we'll try to help you on your path with a reading plan. But you know, that I measured it off today, and if you're right here, and you walk that way, it's the exact same distance as you walk that way. So for some of you over there, you've got to walk a little bit farther. Some of you over there, you don't have to walk as far. But this is what I'm telling you. You don't want to miss this walk. And I'm going to pray right now that God would help all of us to take the walk we need to make. Let's stand for closing prayer. God, here we are on Easter Sunday. And God, some of us have sat in these chairs many times before. But today, God, we've hit a wall. And we're not sure if we're going to be able to overcome it. We need your help, God. Something with our work, something with our family. We just feel all alone and lost, God, because of the pain in our life. And God, there are some people here today that they need some assurance. They need to know that I don't have to go through this life ever worrying about what would happen if something were to happen to me. Because I know the one, I've given my life to the one who blew through the wall. Again, God, I know there's a tendency for people to run today out these doors. But I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit and through your amazing love, God, that you would help people to take faith walks in this place. Come now, move. Thank you for being the wall breaker. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Easter, everyone.